podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. We're called Whistle, and this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need robbing, stealing, or mugging. This is The Whistleblowers, and I'm Martin Gritton back again. It's like we've never been away, and, and probably sounds like it too, with our uh, World Cup podcast uh, from The Whistleblowers. Uh, delighted to be able to welcome... A, a trifecta of Spurs fans tonight, I think. We've got uh, a debutante um, who was, for many, uh, a, a top writer to follow during the World Cup, uh, Mr Jonathan Liu. How's it going? How's it going? Good to have you here. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, so um, and we were just we were just chatting there briefly about the, the fact that it's only been three weeks since the World Cup. Does it feel like a lifetime ago already, or are you still fresh memories? No, I mean, it still haunts my nightmares. I, I still get, um, I still go to go to sleep and, and see kind of, you know, delayed flights and, and oh. you know, uh, press conference, um, like um, tickets in, in, in my head. So accreditation um, nightmares. And yeah, it's like things. Vietnam. It never really leaves you. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving swiftly. Uh, also a pleasure to have Theo Delaney, who, who may be featuring slightly more on the, on the whistleblowers this, this year as a, as, as a host as well. So um, Theo from the Spurs show. Great to have you. Hi. Good to be here. Yeah. Love the whistleblowers. Stuff. That's it. Good to have you back. Um, uh, uh, our third guest is uh, our music industry man, Gareth Dobson, who has uh, featured many times last year. Good to have you back, Gareth. Uh, thanks for having me back. It's been a successful summer for you as well. It's this. been a beautiful summer. I've you know watched an England team full of Spurs players and went yeah. to a few festivals, won some fancy football leagues. You really did. That was that perhaps is the crowning achievement of all of us sat on this table. Me and Gareth play in this fancy football league, which is takes more. It's it's left a lot of broken relationships, broken homes, shattered dreams. Lost, shattered dreams. And uh, Gareth won it this year, but we'll, we'll park that now. Gareth, <laughs> you were at, you were at Wembley on on Sunday, just out of out of chance. Yes, absolutely. It was a a really pleasant afternoon out in the sunshine. <laughs> Well, um, I, had, I hear the Chelsea fans were right in the direct sunshine and most of them left after a couple of goals went in just because they were sick to death of getting the sun beating down on them and City passing it around. I was saying, and City beating down on them, it was, yeah, it was after 65 minutes, you could see them quietly filing out. I, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, they, they realised that it, somewhere around the, the hour mark, City just kind of decided that they'd go and win it and they turned it on and yeah. they suddenly looked at a gear ahead of Chelsea. Um, actually, Chelsea did pretty well. I thought in the first half, they you know pushed up, kept a high line, pressed, made a couple of chances. You know, probably exerted more energy in truth than than City. Um, but as soon as City decided it was a game they were going to go and win in the second half, it that there, there, there appeared to be a bit of a chasm between mm. the two. Well, there's always that, that that chasm from last season probably carrying over. Um, well, listen, we'll come back on to that in a minute. Uh, just a reminder, this season we're once again back by Labrooks, so uh, go get your free bet at bet.thewhistleblowers.net and you'll be able to get that through our uh, Twitter and social handles as well. Um, Jonathan, I just want to come back to your time in Russia because, as we were saying, it's, it never leaves you. But what particularly didn't leave you after your time out there? Is there anything that, you, that uh, was particularly memorable or enjoyable about that trip or not enjoyable that, that, that is worth talking about? I think what when I come back to you know to, to reminisce about the World Cup, I think the strongest memories are going to be of, of following England, um, which you know a, a lot of journalists I think are quite they get quite blasé about about covering football after a while, 
and especially England over recent years. Because I mean, I, I was talking to a couple of colleagues from, from other papers, and, and they said, "Well, oh, I can't wait till England get knocked out. We can actually enjoy the tournament." And for, for decades, that's been you know that, that's, that's been the ethos. And, and to actually follow an England team that were not only doing well but actually quite charming to cover um, felt really new and novel. And, and being at the Columbia game and being at the Sweden game and just um, soaking it all up. So yeah, I think it's sort of reminiscing about the, you know, the eight-year-old who used to like, actually jump up and down and get excited about yeah. England. Um, that, that was really special. Yeah, I can, well, I can imagine. I, did you watch from here? You, were you out there at all? Because you, you were covering some bits and bobs live ones. Yeah. You were doing the live shows. I was doing they, the live shows. How yeah. was that? Yeah, it's all right. It's quite a laugh. You know, yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. quite a laugh doing it live. But no, I mean, the World Cup was one of the best I can ever remember. The thing is, people talk about good and bad World Cups. I, I can't. I, I don't think there are bad World Cups in as much as you're completely absorbed by it the whole bloody time. You can't believe it. it feels like Christmas every day during the World Cup. Yeah. But having said that, this was an outstanding. There were, there were so many good games, and England doing well. You forgot, like I said, like basically what you're saying, Jonathan. You forget that it actually makes a big difference. England. It's been such a long time since England looked like they were any good, and we're going to do well. So it's fantastic. I mean, it's, it, it also it felt like a Tottenham World Cup. It has to be said. I mean, there were just the Spurs players, past and present, everywhere, right the way through, right the way through to the final, and the bloke lifting the trophy. It was amazing. So and that, they came uh, fourth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you think, in terms of having that core, do you think that that was a big factor for the England team having players that are that play together regularly, or the fact that that was just a coincidence that you know Spurs have, have recruited that way? Uh, I, in all honesty, I think it was a little coincidental. Um, I'm sure everyone's been sick of breaking down why England did well or or, uh, or so forth, but I think it was mainly down to Southgate being a smart manager who exploited situations well. Yeah, you know, we, were, we were a great team at set pieces. Um, although, you know, who knew that Kieran Trippier could deliver a ball like that mm. uh, from a set piece anyway? Yeah, yeah, that well, was. I mean, that was very exciting. And, and you do get pride when... The players from the club you support are, are doing well for 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 your nation. So yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was you know Spurs fans aren't always allowed to feel smug, um, <laughs> but I think we felt pretty uh, pretty pleased with how it all went. Hmm. What uh, in in terms of Jonathan, the, the enduring sort of images of that World Cup though, about England fans, because you were saying that in, it was some, one thing to be an England supporter, but how were they perceived? Did you get any idea of how England were perceived as a team out there by the other teams, or was it just generally everyone getting on all right? Because there was always there was a bit of, there was a bit of gentle ribbing, wasn't there, when England went out? Oh yeah, there was. Um, I, mean, I think there were there were quite a lot of quite a lot of people who were, who were quite happy for England to have their fun, but also very happy for it to come to an end but generally the i think they got a lot of respect out there uh there was i mean english english football has always had a lot uh, had a bit of a self-esteem issue and there were there were people who from from the start of the tournament foreign journalists you know even sort of foreign coaches coaches of other teams going yeah this is this is a pretty decent england side and and so i think the, the fact that they've there was like this perfect storm of, of really low expectations and a really good young team that probably won't occur again. I mean, by the time they, they, they come to the Euros next time or, or Qatar in four years' time, uh, they will they will probably have a, a bit more of that, that swagger back and there'll be, there'll be yeah. more expectation on them. Yeah, mm. especially after that performance. I mean, that's, that's the one thing about that England team, isn't it? Is it, it, it there was a newness about it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Jonathan, how many different cities did you visit? 
um, Moscow, St. Peter. I spent most of the time in St. Petersburg. In Moscow, St. Petersburg, Volgograd, uh, Kazan, um, Nizhny Novgorod. Which Sam- is one of the great names. Samara, which I, I, I spent about. I, I tell you, I tell you a funny story about Nizhny Novgorod. Actually, before before I, 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 I'll come back to this. I think it's, I think it was seven. Go for it. I think no, it was seven cities. I wouldn't hear that. I think it was seven. Nizhny Novgorod literally wasn't on the map until 1990 because it was the it was the home of the the, the Soviet um, nuclear facility. So <laughs> maps of the Soviet Union just didn't have Nizhny Novgorod. It just didn't um, didn't admit it existed. It was their Area 51. Basically, yeah. yeah Great. And did you write a? Did you put that in any of your pieces? No, I read, I read that in somebody else's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did like uh, the couple of the pieces. Well, particularly for the three of you guys sat around the, your, your piece on Ericsson that opened out talking about uh, a Danish village in the 1300s. I mean, that was quite a. <laughs> <laughs> What was that story again? Yeah, so so Christian Eriksson is from from a place called Middelfart on in, in Denmark, and I, Christ, this is a, we're going about fifty fifty or sixty pieces. Here. I know, I've uh, called you. But on that one. in the thirteenth century, or possibly the twelfth, or possibly the fourteenth, <laughs> uh, the some some knights were were coming back from uh, from a negotiation, a fairly fraught negotiation with the king of, of, of Denmark, and, and they got uh, they got murdered by assailants who, who people think were. You know, were, were set up by the king. So, um, yeah, that's a, a, a bloody history to Middlefart, and and really very little had happened in in the intervening eight hundred years until Christian Eriksson was born. <laughs> I love that the the relevance of it. Christian Eriksson was the next thing on the map for <laughs> Middlefart. But uh, no, I I mean, we'll, 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 but let's stick on Spurs for for the point being that uh, after well. <sighs> Are you guys? We're lucky enough to just come in after the Spurs fans. Yeah. So you probably could get the cream of the crop and distill what the actual mood in the camp is in terms the mood, of this. Well, it, the it's very split amongst Spurs fans. There's a lot of fury and venom and vitriol going around on social media because Levy surpassed himself even by his standards. <laughs> He's having an extraordinarily perverse transfer window where he has literally not bought anyone with two days to go. So there's a whole lot of fury out there on our on our podcast on the Spurs show. It, it, we're reasonably, you know, relaxed. We've got a fantastic team. Almost every player in it is on a long contract because he's been careful about that. They're all coveted by the clubs where they're not going anywhere. Um, and there's still time to maybe... I, I think it's about whether people leave or not. I, I, I feel I feel good and sanguine about the, about the season. Yeah. Jared? Uh, I pretty much agree. I'd say that I think the biggest issue is in order to replace as a... a player currently at Spurs you can have to spend 25-30 million for a fairly average level replacement player which speaks more about the market than you know me trying to imply that every Spurs player is you know a golden player but if you're really going to improve Spurs' first 11 you're looking at players who are going to cost between 60 and 80 million pounds and that's not something Spurs have ever shown they're going to do or the other option is, is, is obviously to try and unearth younger players you know these gems who you then develop and kick on and obviously Jack Grealish is someone who keeps being mentioned who in theory could be that type of player but um, you know and possibly there's there's some issues with the cost of the stadium it's going to have to be paid off over a long period of time Um, Arsenal hit it quite well when they built the Emirates but you know subsequently you know Wenger admitted he's like for for half a decade he was hamstrung in terms of what he could spend Um, and he brought a club up by bringing in inexpensive players and developing them. And as much as obviously it pains any Spurs players to say it, that's the model they're going to have to rely on. Yeah. I don't think that there's that much money available. And 
also uh, you know as you just said players are going to have to be solved that's just the reality of it yeah the transfer the mentality toward transfers from the World Cup since nothing is going to be as good as the World Cup in football in terms everything's been a bit crap it's just like kind of no one's interested until a ball's kicked in anger you know the most ire that I've seen is just Mourinho being the most Mourinho that he could possibly ever be it's an interesting counterpart there between Pochettino and, and Mourinho, who, you know, Mourinho, who actually has had players signed for him uh, and still hasn't got the signings he wants and has sort of reacted by, you know, basically defecating everywhere. And <laughs> Pochettino, who you, ha- you would have to say has far more cause for complaint, given the, the need for Spurs to kick on and, and, and the way that their rivals have strengthened, has been... You know, he said a couple of things, but he's he's basically been quite diplomatic. He's, he seems to do all his all his manoeuvring behind closed doors, and there's yeah. something to be said for that. No, definitely. Well, not just not just him. I suppose that we look at the other the other managers that have come in, and I suppose there's not been huge amounts of business done really across the board. I, I, I don't know if that's a that's a state of the clubs that are that are happy with the players that they have, or as you're saying, Gareth, if you're going to spend, you need sixty or eighty million to get someone yeah. that will improve your players. It's only Liverpool really of, of the big clubs who have who've gone out and spent quite big money, haven't they? And they needed those players. Well, they certainly they? needed a goalkeeper. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a mate of mine this morning who's a Liverpool fan and. I, I suddenly realised when they bought him, they haven't had a properly good goalkeeper since Ray Clements. If you think about it, I mean, Grubbler was quite good, but he was completely unreliable, wasn't he, and erratic. Yeah, yeah. And since then, they've had bits and pieces. And I mean, that's a long time for a club like Liverpool who are always moaning about why haven't we won the league. You don't really win the league without a good goalkeeper. And he seems like, yeah, he seems like a, a good goalkeeper. And they seem to have bought another couple of good players. After Liverpool, it's West Ham who've done most of the big spending. Yeah. And they could, they may well improve, although some of those players look like, mm, not sure, you know. There but, are some very West Hammy players in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who, who look at like Philippe Anderson, yeah. who they brought in from Lazio, who yeah. potentially could be fantastic. Head. Yeah. Could be playing it, might we? Say what? Could be a Payet, could be, exactly, could be a yeah. Or Yeah, exactly. Could do the year of Payet and then. Yeah. Look elsewhere, but um, yeah, they well they had to bring in half a new team just because of how old and decrepit that. Yeah, and that also back four was. also the the fans were about to dismantle that stadium if they didn't. <laughs> I mean, they were really being held to ransom there. They had to bring in what looked like big signings. Yeah, so uh, anything could happen there, couldn't it? I know when you see when you see your back four on the pundit panel for the World Cup and they're surrounded by forty <laughs> year old players, and it's like when oh, these guys have retired and they're they're wanting mm-hmm. their kind of articulate sort of considered view and two of them are your actual playing yeah. defenders you're like maybe we'll just, Ever. just yeah, get kids a around. different era oh, ridiculous yeah. Zabalas was on there yeah, yeah. but I mean, he looked in good nick oh, but yeah absolutely legs gone uh, so in, in terms of some of the others Chelsea having a look at not just obviously the players that haven't really come back for them yet so Kante and Hazard and I mean, could they be a force to reckon with this year with uh, Sarri? Because, I, I mean, is that the kind of... We'll start with you, Jonathan. Just, uh, did you watch any of his Napoli teams or did you watch any of his teams previously? Before? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a little of, of, of Napoli, but I mean, most, mostly in Europe and, and, you know, the odd sort of Serie A game. It, it's a very intricate style I think it's, it's a style that, that needs a hell of a lot of drilling when it comes off it, it looks beautiful I mean we, we've all seen some of the goals they scored and I think what we saw at, at Wembley was that it's still very much you know there's, there's a lot of work to be done to, yeah. to get players playing like that that says you know getting a, getting the you know his, his his first team is back in the team for example I don't think 
Kante, let's Phil Foden just just run through their defence like that. Mm. Uh, I don't think there was there was far away. I mean, as Gareth said, they they looked actually pretty good in the first twenty minutes. So I, I don't think they're quite as, as far away as as the result and and the way that 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 game ended might suggest. There was a lack of interest in that game, even from their own managers and play the managers just turn up in their trackies like they just got out of bed on a Sunday as well and and just and for them it's not you know I, I don't know if it's an inconvenience or not but I certainly think the World, World Cup probably played a factor in that have you got any thoughts on Chelsea Theo? Well, I, not that you could really not, put the, it, not that you want to podcast, no. no well, uh, no, well, no, I, no I, I think Chelsea are, uh, could have problems because Chelsea there's so much discontent always around Chelsea it's, it's such a miserable place it always feels like a miserable place <laughs> to work like this no, it does feel like a miserable place to work because <laughs> every manager that get, always ends up like looking totally depressed yeah. like whenever he does I mean Conti when he was doing all of his he, felt, he looked like a hostage yeah no that was you know and he in effect he was a hostage they kept him there out of sheer sort of spite they wouldn't fire him they wouldn't let him buy the players he wanted and all that last season and it always ends like that before that it ended like that with Mourinho you know and and I fear for this poor I mean Villas AVB he was really badly you know it just feels like a bad place to work so they've got great players but they might be about to lose at least one of them they might be about to we were talking about goalkeepers they might be about to lose their goalkeeper and that is a really tough act to follow uh, Courtois they, they're talking about there's that very expensive is he Slovenian the guys that they'd have to pay 80 million pound for or they're talking about Jack Butland yep. who isn't as good I don't think so they might have problems there they might have problems bedding this system in certainly because as Jonathan says that is a you know that doesn't happen overnight uh, but they've got a lot of good players so if he is an inspirational figure I mean, because having said all that, Conti came in and won the, won the league straight away, didn't they? So if he's an inspirational figure and he can get them all buying into it and get them all charged up, then they'll be a threat. Well, just before we go and have a break, I'll use this as an opportunity to talk about Rob Green and uh, my, my experiences. Of, uh, well, I shared an agent with Rob Green, and on not deadline day, but it was a technically a deadline day for me because I was moving, to, I had the proper glamour move. Uh, from Lincoln to Macclesfield which is the one we all dream of yeah. um, uh, and as I was going to sign that my agent at the time I couldn't get hold of him on the phone and even at our level you're like you need a basic level of legal team or someone to look over your contract just to you know so managed to get hold of him like kind of five minutes before going yeah yeah everything's fine everything's fine no problem go in to sign my contract and then um have a look through it and all of it was wrong he just kind of they changed the terms they'd, and I said to the chief executive Michael Stewart I was like going, are you taking are you taking the piss and I thought I genuinely thought he was, it was like a joke. you're trying yeah. this on Some, there's something's yeah. going on here he's going no no yeah, your, your agent agreed to it. that's what he's agreed to so I'm like hang on so I go and speak to my agent and he goes oh he goes yeah do you know what I'm on I'm just doing Rob Rob Green's deal with West Ham at the minute he hadn't told me this and he was like and I kind of haven't read it. And I was like, even like, it's really straightforward contract. League two, our contracts are like four bullet points. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how much a week? Yeah. How much for an appearance? How much for a goal? Yeah. And he'd got some very, things very wrong. And there's a, the appearance money as a striker. It's like kind of, well, you get on the pitch, you get your money and, and they made it pro rata, which was this, con- I'd never even heard of that term until uh, I was, I, well, I couldn't even Google it because there wasn't any <laughs> smartphones at the time. So if you'd played 10 minutes, you got, yeah, I got like a tenner. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going like, fuck. So I had to have this, I had to have it out with the chief exam. I'm going, right, so drive to 
I'm like, I'm not signing it. And he goes, well, I'm not going to change the terms because they kind of had me over a barrel because if, you know, Macclesfield's your option, you haven't got many plan Bs. So <laughs> I, was, I just drove to the Tesco car park and I'm just punching the stadium, trying to get this on my Nokia 3210 at the time, trying to get this agent. And he's like going, Martin, I need this. I need this Rob Green deal. So, and, and to be fair, if, if all of his players were like kind of 20 League Two players and you have one Rob Green, you've got to sort the Rob Green contract out. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was one of those ones where I think he did sign because I think he'd been at West Ham for like maybe a few months already and then he signed his deal in the summer so but I managed to yeah I managed to get one back on that agent when I he, he hadn't even rung me for two years he rang up and had to get his agent's fee after this as well he got his money out of me Bloody and I was yeah. like and that's I mean that's gross misconduct yeah. in any other job but uh, and then I signed my next deal two and a half years later for Chesterfield and he rang me up and I hadn't spoken to him for two years rang me up going oh I'm, you're still contracting I was like you haven't even read the contract but I've been out of contract with you for like three weeks so <laughs> everything kind of works itself out yeah but um, more tales uh, from the lower <laughs> leagues uh, after the break <laughs> The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. Right, welcome back, guys. Let's let's move on to uh, the old enemy, uh, Arsenal. I, 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 we, we can't ignore them. I, unfortunately, on this one, uh, Theo, we have to cover uh, literally everyone, but well, we'll cover the big six anyway. So, um, Arsenal, different proposition this year, Gareth. Uh, not just not necessarily for you, just leaving a taste in the mouth. But what you know, what what do you think of their business from a completely impartial view? Um. I'm fascinated to see where they're at and where they, almost where they perceive themselves to be at. Uh, you know, Unai Emery is obviously a good manager who's who won the Europa League three years in a row. Uh, if you want to be cynical, that's Arsenal saying we'll take some Europa League action. Um, I think they, they've obviously done well. They they brought in Socrates. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his uh, his surname. Uh, Sends back. They've reinforced the. The fullbacks. It feels like they quickly identified what they needed. Um, the Uruguayan midfielder Torreiras. Torreiras. Yeah. The Uruguayan midfielder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, they, it feels like they've done smart business. And they've got a sensible manager. I guess the question is whether they can sort of punch up to back into the top four. I do think that you know, there's nothing worse than a, a lover spurned and. Ozil may have a season for the ages if he really wants to go out yeah. and prove something after his, well, German, it, it, his sad exit yeah. from the German team. Yeah. Excellent point. Do you remember that season when Ginola was the best player in the world and he won both player? It was 98-99 and he said afterwards when he retired, he said, I was so good that he was unbelievable, unplayable and he said it was because of the World Cup. They'd won the World Cup France without him. Mm-hmm. Remember they didn't pick him and Cantona for Which various is, reasons. But, but they didn't pick him because it was a he real... gave the ball away. Gave the ball away against Bulgaria, Bulgaria, Bulgaria. Previous World Cup qualifying, last minute of the game, should have put it in the <laughs> corner. They the were corner and gave he the ball it. away. Bulgaria scored France throughout the World Cup. They never picked him again. It was like really vindictive. Yeah, and he was so upset when they won the World Cup without him because he knew that was a good side. But there's no way he wasn't getting in it. And he then made it his business to be the best player in the world for that following season. And that's what, yeah, that's oh, what Özil yeah, might do. I think that if you've yet to pick your fancy teams for. For the season, if you're drafting, if you're picking your week one team, you could do worse than put uh, Mesut Ozil in there. Yeah, unfortunately, no goons in mine. I'm not letting. <laughs> I think Ozil's due a big season. I think Aubameyang's due a yeah. big season. He, he gets a lot of cheap goals. Yeah, I think Mkhitaryan, I, I, having 
basically got over his United trauma. There's a there's a really really good player in there waiting to come out. And and there's for the first time, obviously in 22 years or whatever, there's this real feeling of renewal at Arsenal. It's, there's this this sense that like literally anything is possible. Yeah. They could collapse and finish 12th. They could they could go on a run and win the title. The the, the old rules are sort of don't really apply, which yes. is which is exactly why I think they'll finish fifth again. Uh, <laughs> for the, for the banter, like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but. Uh, but that's that must be exciting for Arsenal fans because this is what they wanted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You get, you careful what you wish for, and that's definitely unknown. Yeah, that's it. I mean, for a Celtic fan, we won't talk too much about that. But just the fact that we have to beat the national champions of at least four teams to get to the first round, <laughs> <laughs> the Champions League. Quickly back to Aubameyang. Um, so I was looking through some Opta stats, and he uh, he had he was essentially the most efficient striker in. In Europe last year, he had the most goals per shot ratio, almost, wow. yeah. or quality of percentage chances to goals. He yeah. he basically makes his shooting count. He's he's lethal. Yeah. So he's he might be a good outside bet for a uh, yeah that's a golden boot yeah. with Labrooks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Magic, magic. Well, let's touch on a few of the other teams because in the mix, it's probably a bit harder to pick who's going to go down this year. I mean, it's easy to say that now because we can look at, but form didn't matter last year. And if you look at, obviously Cardiff haven't got anyone that probably we can we couldn't name their starting eleven in here, and that's no. not being and also, There was another. Th- I saw a thing in the paper this morning about passing teams that pass and I think it was on the BBC actually and their percentage of the actual uh, it, it was something like last year Manchester City averaged like 600 more passes per game than Cardiff yeah. Cardiff do not pass the ball at all they are 100% uh, Wimbledon <laughs> front. in the image of Wimbledon yeah and they've got and they're not about I mean that's why we have no any they don't need good footballers they're just they're just complete clodhoppers I could, I mean, I'd like to see them go down. Then another stat they put in was that the worst passing team in the Premier League for the last eight years hasn't gone down. Oh, and, really? then the, and then the last interesting thing about it was seven out of eight of those teams were managed by Tony Pulis. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Literally, it goes Stoke, 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 oh, Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace. The thinking West man's Brom. Neil Warnock, I like to call him. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm very excited about Warnock, Paul. I mean, Martin, you've had... You, you know the man. He was my... When I was on trial at... Um, I was on trial at Plymouth so long they nicknamed me OJ. It was <laughs> it was ridiculous. So I was at U- from ninety seven to ninety nine. I was on trial because I basically went to uni and they couldn't offer me a good enough deal to leave uni for. And I'm not joking. I literally, the week before the, I made my debut, he didn't. He was like, "Well, we'll just put you on non contract terms." Because I played for a local team like down in Cornwall, and they were paying me like fifty pound a week or whatever um, just to cover my travel. And, and at the same time. He wouldn't even offer me that. So the best thing was I signed a month contract. But Warnock was the, when I first went in and Warnock's team was just a bunch of Yorkshiremen that were all about six foot four. And it's, it's, it's quite comforting. There was a game actually, we were talking about Bruce Grobler. There's a thing called the Battle of Saltergate. If you look up that up on YouTube, it's Plymouth versus Chesterfield. And it's a, it's about a 12 man brawl. And there's a couple of punches thrown that would make Ben Stokes look like, uh, <laughs> just like handbags. Honestly, it's unbelievable. Just, um, the, it was like a bloodbath in the box. Every single man in the, t- in the, and I didn't touch the ball. I went and trained with him. And just the ball was pinging around. I didn't get anywhere near it. And Kevin Blackwell was the assistant at the time. And Kevin Blackwell was a little bit more considered and a little bit more mild mannered. He was like, just stick it out, it'd be all right. But yeah, Warnock was, you know, blustering, certainly a very interesting man. Did you ever have to go and mow his lawn? 
that was the youth team. So yeah, the youth team, the youth team he used to have the youth team round to the most. I mean, the European. He would be after Brexit just for the European employment laws. I think just get rid of them so you can get the. And he had a youth team player that held the umbrella next to him when it was raining. Bloody so hell. the youth team player getting soaked wet through in training kit, and Warnock could be there in his sheepskin, just with, just with his arms crossed, with a little kid holding an umbrella next to him, <laughs> yeah. like something out of a cartoon version of a football manager, a real football man. A real, what you're saying. a real football match. It's incredible he's t- that he's back in the Premier League. I mean, <laughs> he's been written off so many times. He's even outlasted um, Redknapp, hasn't he? The, the idea that he's back is incredible. But he always, he never hacks it once he's back in there, does he? Wolves? Anyone? I, I really like Wolves. Yeah. I, I think top half for Wolves. Yeah. Uh, just because they've got really good players. Yeah. Uh, and they, they seem to have, have kept something of... You know the, the the spirit that, that, that got them up. Obviously, the core of the team is still there. They've they've added Joao Matinho, which is incredible. I mean, Spurs yeah. basically were were, yeah, were pursuing for, for about, years for about yeah. two years, and, and he's yeah. moved to the West Midlands. And now. he's moved for the West Midlands, <laughs> and it's it's one of those leagues where outside the top six, it, it's much of a muchness. There's 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 teams that we think are, are going to be better, teams that we think are going to be worse, but the, the the gap between seventh and twentieth isn't actually that high. So if if Wolves uh, can go on a bit of a run. There's, you know, there's, there's absolutely no, re- re- no reason why they can't do, you know, what Burnley did. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Uh, well, talking to Burnley, I mean, is this a year that they might finally come unstuck? I find it a bit difficult. I mean, Europe's a nice little distraction for them at the minute, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. They haven't added. They're another non-passing side, but that's out of necessity. They've got no money. They don't have great players. But he just seems like that sort of manager that he, he you just can't see him allowing it to happen we squeeze the pips on everything yeah. doesn't he yeah. well, the, the other you know nice thing about Burnley is that so they played their game against Aberdeen in Europa League and they seem genuinely thrilled to win it and to proceed like yeah. for them being in, in Europe isn't this horrible curse they have to deal with yeah 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 very um, true and I wonder if they might progress quite well in that I think their fans unlike the fans of say Stoke or, or West Brom <coughs> they won't they won't necessarily put pressure on them to, to well, okay, now we're now we've established ourselves. We want to play like Brazil, or, or you know, we, we, yeah, we yeah. want to play like you know, like a silky football. I think they'll they'll continue to tolerate dice ball, as, <laughs> as, as, as you know, might as well call it, and so there won't be that sort of pressure. And yeah, Burnley lends itself towards that as well. As much as I, I lived in that part of the world for a bit, I think those guys are there. You've lived everywhere. I've lived everywhere yeah. too, and, uh, and, and yeah, and don't forget it. Um, <laughs> Fulham, anyone talk? Let's go from chalk to cheese on Fulham that one. Look like a decent side as well. They look, look like a team with good players that plays football. That, yeah. that should be fine. I mean, they bought a, they bought a couple of decent players, didn't they? Yeah, it's a nice place to watch footy. I'm going yeah. as a neutral, as a, as a Scotsman down here. I'm going to get along to Craven Cottage. It seems like. They've got some good players, and they have to rely on the good players, though. That as all the, the teams down at that end, you know, the fact that say Palace as well was a high, and there's a few guys that are going to have to drag them out of the the mire as well. Again, I mean, with with Fulham, obviously, we get. I think people should be very excited about watching Ryan Sessegnon, who is obviously yeah. a player who you assume will be in consideration for international squads in the next two years, with view to bring him into the the Euros if we get there. Um, They've got some really good players and I'm most excited about potentially seeing Fulham play at Wembley as their permanent home in a couple of years after their own buys it. <laughs> yeah. um, and no longer will it be the, uh, 
the nice quaint uh, trip for you media elite <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a bit of lunch in the river cafe before the, before a little stroll Absolutely. down to we the Wembley. away end exactly. yeah <laughs> Wembley way a fortress but uh, uh, one last well let's have a uh, one last look at uh, say Everton Everton seems to be quite uh, is, is that left a bit of a taste in the mouth for Silver do you think Jonathan the fact that it's, it's waited this long so now there's kind of it's sullied that because I, it feels like the players that they've bought they've bought on more of a whim than a plan yeah it's it's like the you know it's like when you've been pining after someone for you know a boy or a girl for for, yeah. for ages and, and you finally get them and you realize you know it was it was better in your head yeah. I, I think everton i think everton are okay i certainly don't think they'll be in, in relegation trouble or, or anything like like what happened last season they just they just feel a, a bit ordinary you know uh for all the galvanizing qualities that, that silver had at, at, at hull and, and at watford there's still no real evidence that that his that his method can methods can sustain over you know a longer period of time you know he's he, he gets teams to play well for eight or ten games and then and then they fade i think that that's the big question mark over him and i'm not i'm not overly impressed with everton's recruitment this this summer yeah, yeah. and no. that's that's been a perennial problem they haven't bought a center forward have they they've bought richarlison for a colossal amount of money yeah. who, who's actually a bit of a mirror image of the manager because he, he's another one who plays eight or ten great games and then just disappeared completely last season didn't he yeah it's like when you when you, you get out of a taxi and and get a receipt and the and they, they just give you a blank receipt and they say like just write just write the figure in yourself and and you know everton said well you know you know it's fine you just just come up with something something reasonable and, <laughs> yeah. uh, However, and they're, they're pursuing one of my favorite types of footballer which is um so they're after bernard who's a free agent it's but, such a good name it's between them and West Ham for Bernard isn't it and, and it continues this beautiful uh, modern Brazilian tradition yeah. of just completely inappropriate <laughs> named footballers you know yeah. Fred is obviously one um, Malcolm I assume Malcolm Oscar I assume, I assume Oscar I assume there's one just called Mick Joe yeah Joe. Yeah, Joe. I, I, I know he's uh, there was two Joes yeah. yeah yeah there was Joe but I, I'd like to think there's one in the offing called Steve or maybe Dave <laughs> Fred I'll be done with Fred, Fred. Done Fred. Fred. another high profile oh, signing I know he's uh, I know he's French as well but they, they've also signed a, a bloke called Dean Dean <laughs> what Dean Dean well, I'm careful it's good ever to name that Dean real football men all of them <laughs> yeah. uh, listen we'll just finish up with um, Gareth what, anything going on at the minute with any artist that, that, that was worth the, the, the listeners to check out uh always lots we're just pulling out a new ep soon by uh shigeto who is our premier uh uh what's detroit his stuff against detroit electronic and jazz musician and mm. uh, he's coming here we've just announced tour dates for november has his eye here i saw i saw on his instagram he had an eye patch yeah he managed to scratch <laughs> his his eye uh hanging out the washing which is <laughs> rock and roll frankly man. bizarre and ridiculous <laughs> Um, and then yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to a couple more festivals for the summer and cool. see out the uh, see out our, our never-ending long summer. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Theo, is there anything going on? Obviously, everyone check out the Spurs show, um, one of our sister podcasts. Uh, so that- Spurs show. Also, I do a little radio show on an obscure radio station on a Saturday morning, a music show. So I've just oh. taken a note ah. about Shigeto there. That is on en5radio.com Saturday mornings, the watchable radio show. Excellent. Yeah, we'll tune into that. Jonathan, what's, uh, what's on? We're, we're, we're both at the same place today, aren't we? 
Yeah, we were, we were at Lords for the um, England India Test match. The second Test starts at Lords on Thursday, uh, which is I'm sort of covering that that series at the moment. Lovely. England one 0 up after Edge Baston, so that, that's where I'll be for the for the next few weeks. I've, I've sort of taken I've let football take a, a bit of a backseat. That's quite nice to be able to do that. Chief Sports Writer. So is that the, that's your title, isn't it? That, yeah, that's, that's a does that mean title. you can just do whichever? Yeah, just, just you can just on. make the decisions. You you choose. You cherry pick, and then everyone else just. This does what? In theory, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a job! I know. What, what a, a job. job! Well, fully deserved. So it's been a good summer. It's been great to have you on, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Gareth. Hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Theo, uh, we'll be seeing you again soon as well. Cheers. That was the whistleblowers. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. This is a playback media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network.